Don't move. Let me get a picture. Okay, I'm gonna hit stop, right? I think a big part of that is because we've defined very closely the kind of prospects, players that work for us. Okay. Knowing how I am. Right. And uh, the number one thing is that you have to be willing to do whatever your team needs you to do. And that's different for starters versus reserves. That's different for seniors and captains versus freshmen. This is what you're looking for yeah. in a as, a, as so, a player. Yeah, and when, when we sit down again around this round table, the, the prospect will be here usually with a parent or both parents. And that's where we go about our core values. We talk about selfless, humble, disciplined, problem solver, and UK attitude. Yeah. I paint the picture of what those core values, how right. they look. Right. I talk about how it is on a weekly basis, what the demands are. We talk about the team rules. Wow. So all those things are laid out for a potential or prospective player so they know what they're getting themselves into. Because it is incredibly hard to play at the level that we're playing and there's lots of temptations away from the field. Yeah. You know, you've, you've gone to UK, you know oh, yeah. it's a uh, it's, pretty happening social it's, place. It's different. <laughs> yes, but again, if, if, you're, if you're at a place that talking about wanting to win a national title, talking about having, you know, we had five guys go pro off for last year's team. Wow. So if, if those are the things that we're doing on a regular basis, well then there's a certain amount of commitment that comes with that. And, and that, I think that you have to do a good job of screening that out in the recruiting process and then you go back to okay it's going to be a four or five year process of fine-tuning and making sure that you keep working with them on that but I got I got something I gotta say for, to you guys. It's another episode. I'm joined by somebody who's you know known throughout the not only Lexington and the you know Big Blue Nation community, but you know in the soccer community as well. You know he's he's very well known. So I'm gonna I'm gonna list a whole bunch of awards and accolades this guy right here has received in the last in his career. Um, so I'm gonna start from the top. Three-time Conference USA Coach of the Year. Eleven seasons at the University of Kentucky and has made nine seasons in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Not done yet. Fastest head coach in program history to reach 100 wins. Unremarkable. Uh, made multiple Sweet 16 appearances. Coached at Dartmouth before you know coming into the University of Kentucky, um, and you know played a little bit at the University of Cincinnati in his playing days. A little bit, yeah, a little Just bit. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Johan Sedergren, Hall of Fame coach in the making. Johan, thank you for coming on my show. Um, what's next podcast? I deeply appreciate it, man. 
Oh, I'm happy to be here. Of course, of course. So you're just coming off of a trip in Europe. How, how was that trip in Europe? It was very productive. It was very productive. Uh, like we talked about, uh, there were some uh, reasons for why my assistants couldn't go, so I had to cover for them. Right. Uh, there, Ryan just had a little daughter, and uh, Josh and Chrissy are expecting a uh, second child here any day now. So okay. it's uh, okay. awesome. it's some really really exciting times for the program yeah. uh, and and for the coaching staff. But uh, uh, I was fortunate so I can go to Spain for a couple of days, which wasn't too bad. And then after that, I had to go to Denmark for a couple of days. So and, lots uh, of lots all over the place in Europe. Man. Yeah, and, and if you look at our roster, you know we have players from all over and and, and uh, Scandinavia, Africa, um, South America, of course, domestic players and and uh, there, there's so many awesome things about working in Kentucky. But one of them is that. More or less anywhere you go, the UK name and the Wildcats uh, is known. Yeah. So it, it's it's like yeah, wherever you go, you yeah. see people with you know a Kentucky hoodie on or yeah. whatever the case yeah. may be. It, it's yeah, and, and you're you're at an airport somewhere again in Europe, and someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know what? This and this and this, and that's my connection to University man, of Kentucky." And man. it's it's a really cool place to work. But now it was a very very productive trip. For sure, for sure. Like, uh, now, when I ask you, you're your guy, you're from Sweden. How is it, you know, I've never been to Sweden. How is it, like, there in Sweden? Yeah. Very beautiful place. But it is very beautiful. I would definitely recommend that you go in the summer. Okay. And uh, in the winter, it is dark. It is cold. cold. It is damp. So, if you're into that kind of thing, and, and it's amazing. I was 22 when I moved over. Yeah. And before... I'd never thought about how dark and cold it was, but now when I go home, very often it's in the winter. Oh, wow. Because that's when the players find out whether they're going to go pro or if they get released from their contract. And you definitely have to bundle up. So I, I would suggest you go in the summer. It's light, very late, sometimes to midnight. Yeah. And the sun comes back up around 4 or 5 in the morning. Wow. So it's Holy cow. Green. Very green, right? Very green. Very green. Uh, very left on the political spectrum. So that's, you know, whether you're onto that or not. Uh, but uh, and and it, like I, you and I were talking earlier about my two kids, and they were back last summer. I try to take them every other year, every third year, but they love going. So that's as long as they like it. That's a place that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, want to kind of you know tip my my feet into and kind of you know explore Europe. Europe yeah, place that I, that I want to at least get to. Yep. Always a beautiful place to be. Um, let's talk a little bit about soccer now. You know, uh, okay. uh, last season you guys. Coming off a loss uh, against Pitt in the tournament, which is okay. Like I said, we kind of talked a little bit off camera about it. You guys are growing each and every year. You're continuing to get better. Um, what, what's your message, I guess, to the guys, you know, coming back for another season? Well, you know, it was a really fun year to go undefeated regular season, to win the league yeah. double, and, as well as, you know, the conference tournament championship was really cool, being the number one uh, seed at the end of a tournament. But, of course, to be the number one seed, to lose in the Sweet 16, that's not really what you were hoping for. But I thought we were really unfortunate in that game. I thought it was a very good game. A lot of credit to Pitt. Well-coached team with lots of very, very good players. But I think for the – we had – 13 players that either graduated or Man. went pro uh, from that team. So it's a very new team now. It, it'll be a very, um, we'll be a lot younger this fall than we've been the last couple of years. So uh, for us, it's, it's about some of the players that had 
prominent roles in the team maybe weren't asked to lead as much because now both of up. our yeah, yeah both of our captains Luis and Robert they've graduated so we need new leadership and we need a couple of guys that maybe were coming off the bench to be starters and then we're also going to ask several of the new guys that are coming in in the fall right to right, contribute right, right away right. so uh, like all programs here at Kentucky there's no rebuilding Right, you're expected to compete for titles yeah. every single year, and and we are not uh, any different than that. And we're very, very excited. It could potentially be the best freshman class we've ever brought in. And, and again, having been here for eleven years, I was gonna say you guys have number thirteen recruiting class. Yeah, right? but that depends on who's ranking. Okay. So if I got to rank it, I, I I would probably rank it higher. Okay. But again, it's one of those where I don't worry so much about how you rank the incoming class. It's a lot more about, well, what do they do on the field yeah. over the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah. Cool. But, yeah, okay. very, very good class. Very excited. And, and uh, we just played – we had our first spring game up in Cincinnati. We were playing the uh, FCC reserve team. So, you know, that's a pro team, and we beat them 2-1. That's so, impressive. Yeah, <laughs> very happy. So we're ever, in a good spot, but lots of work to do still. Coach, I want to ask you, do you ever surprise yourself, like, when you're like, – <laughs> The people that know me, uh, I, I'm very much of the belief of the glass is always half empty. Okay. All right, so that way you don't get surprised on the downside because you expect it, but then sometimes you get surprised on the upside. upside. Okay. Does that make sense? So uh, I see. I, I never heard of that. that yeah. Saying, man. Yeah. So you know, again, if you go back to 2021. We won the Conference USA tournament, maybe a little unexpected, and we had a couple of guys um, graduate or go pro, so I didn't quite know how good we were going to be last year. Right. So to then go undefeated and do the league double, that yeah. was a positive surprise. Okay, okay, I got you. Now, you talked about like some of your, your you know, uh, captains leaving your team, like uh, Louis Glasso. I'm probably going to butcher the next name. That's okay. I, I tore. Yeah, uh, Bjergelson yeah, just rolls yeah. off the tongue. Talk about the relationship with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and those two guys, it's, it's, it's really funny. I actually saw Luis uh, this weekend because um, his wife is from Cincinnati. And, oh, okay. and, and he's up there now. He's going to start Police Academy this summer. Okay. But both Luis and Aitor are two of the best players we've ever had here, but also two players that required a lot of work off the field in regards to personal stuff, in regards to feeling like they were being trusted, feeling like they're being valued by the coaching staff. Right, right, right. And right. making sure that sometimes, you know, what I asked them to do in regards to helping out defensively and, and fitness and those kinds of things are really, really hard. So for the two of them, it was very important for them to understand why I was asking them to do some things. Exactly, and, and, exactly. Yeah. So I would say both for Louise and Aitor, it was definitely not – they came in as freshmen, crushed it, and just stayed that way. Yeah. There were some up and down, but again, one of the biggest reasons to why I do this and why I've done this for so as for as long as I have is that I love, of course, winning games and having players turn pro. But I love the work that goes into a four or five year relationship where they come in as boys, young men, and they leave as mature, responsible individuals that are hopefully able to contribute to society in a valuable way. And and, and Luis and I tour very much, that's how it was over the four years that we're here. I feel like coaching has a lot to do with uh, building relationships. You yep. know, you're, you're getting to, you get the kid, um, you get your recruit when they first come in, and then by the time they leave, they, they're a different man, they're a different person, they're yep. a different human being. Um, I want to ask you, like, how do you balance that as a coach, you know, the the 
on the field stuff is just is important, but how do you balance the off the field the stuff? You know, their mental their mental yeah. space. How do you balance that? I guess a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings, and I think it's also one of those where you, I would say, coaching. I don't play any instruments. But I always do this analogy where I think it's a little bit like a musician where you, you have to learn how to play instruments okay. differently depending on what music you play or even, you know, you play the guitar different than you play the bass. Right. So I, I think when you have a squad of 25 to 28 young men, you treat them all fair, but you don't treat them the, the same. same. You have to treat them yeah. equal and fair, but not the same. And again, some guys... They need a little bit of a nudge. They need a little firm word. Some guys need an arm around the shoulder. And true. again, as you do this longer and longer, you kind of get better at playing the instruments I agree. to making sure that the I agree, team coach. performs. I feel like like everybody has every player has their different personalities. Yeah, right? you can't like you said you can't nudge some you you can't nudge too hard, and then there's other yep. players that you you can actually go after and push them you know a little bit harder because you know they might take it a different way. Yeah, I, I respect that. I want to ask you like about your coaching staff. Now you you are somebody who you know you you're great in your career, but you never forget about your staff and the staff and the people that are behind you as well. Um, how come you? How are you guys? You know, such a successful coaching staff as a whole. Like like, what makes you guys so successful? I guess. Well, again, going back to being at Kentucky, it's not hard to hire a staff at Kentucky because yeah. of all the resources and everything that we have here. Right. But uh, when I was an assistant at Dartmouth. Uh, the guy that was the head coach there is actually the guy I played for at Cincinnati, Jeff Cook. Okay. He's now the head coach at Penn State. Right, right. He's one of my best friends still. And uh, we had a really good relationship as player and coach and then as assistant coach and head coach. And what he did really well is that he gave me a lot of freedom to uh, evolve and to develop, to develop as a coach. And, and he helped me make sure that I was ready. So when I got the head job at Kentucky, I was a good head coach. And, and so what I do with my staff is I do very much the same where there are things that you have to do. There are some administrative things that are not fun. Yeah. But then there are some top of that, there's some projects that you can get in regards to looking at how can we be more expansive? How can we be more attacking? How can we score more goals? Uh, how can we do it better on the defensive side? So looking at video, looking at other teams in Europe or wherever and okay. Okay. figuring out. Because it, as soon as you think that you have all the answers and as, thing, as soon as you think that okay, we've got this figured out, that's the closest you're ever going to be to getting fired. So you have to acknowledge that you do not have all the answers and you do not know everything, right. but you can always learn and always figure out a way to do things differently. Exactly. So, and, and that's what I, you know, we're sitting around this round table. So we as a staff, we meet in here on a regular basis where again, we'll sit down and we'll deal with problems where when we're sitting here, everyone has equal voice. Of course, there's going to be some times where I have to put my foot down and say, okay, I see what you guys are saying, but I'm the head coach. Are we going to exactly. do it this way? But everyone at least gets a say, and I think that's part of the reason, too, why people enjoy working on this staff is because their voice does really matter the and the work heard. they put in. The voice yeah. is heard. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. But voice is heard. You're in charge. You're kind of like you're, leadering. you're, you're the leader of the pack, if that makes sense. Um, I, I want to ask you, Coach, uh, we talked a little bit about your coaching staff your coaching staff a little bit uh let's talk about your coaching style okay. what's your i guess your coaching philosophy like what's your ideal coaching philosophy if that makes sense how do you go about things what type of coach are you are you yeah. more of the player's side of the coach or kind of walk me through yeah. like what your style is well i don't know if we have to edit this out or not but i'm a total pain in the ass <laughs> it's as simple as that and I, I think if you look at our 
trajectory as a program uh, and where we've gone. I think a big part of that is because we've defined very closely the kind of prospects, players that work for us. Okay. Knowing how I am. Right. And uh, the number one thing is that you have to be willing to do whatever your team needs you to do. And that's different for starters versus reserves. That's different for seniors and captains versus freshmen. This is what you're looking for yeah. in a rec- as, a, as so, a player. Yeah, and when, when we sit down again around this round table, the, the prospect will be here usually with a parent or both parents. And that's where we go about our core values. We talk about selfless, humble, disciplined, problem solver, and UK attitude. Yeah. I paint the picture of what those core values, right. how they look. Right. I talk about how it is on a weekly basis, what the demands are. We talk about the team rules. Wow. So all those things are laid out for a potential or prospective player so they know what they're getting themselves into. Because it is incredibly hard to play at the level that we're playing, and there's lots of temptations away from the field. Yeah. You know, you've, you've gone to UK, you know oh, yeah. it's a uh, it's, pretty happening social it's, place. It's different. <laughs> yes, but again, if, if, you're, if you're at a place that talking about wanting to win a national title, talking about having, you know, we had five guys go pro off for last year's team. Wow. So if, if those are the things that we're doing on a regular basis, well then there's a certain amount of commitment that comes with that. And, and that, I think that you have to do a good job of screening that out. And the recruiting process and then you go back to okay it's going to be a four or five year process of fine-tuning and making sure that you keep working with them on that but going back to my personality I I am incredibly demanding starting and ending with me but everyone else that's involved with the program as well because that's what Mitch and Dr. Capilouto are expecting. I feel like uh, we're going to get we're going to get right into that coach you said you're so demanding and you're you're hard on your players you know you're, you're you you demand a lot from them I feel like when the players leave, they appreciate that. You know, I'm sure they, they come back and they come to you, hey, coach, like mm. the, the amount of, you know, you know, work that you put into to me and you, 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 the amount of, you know, resilience and the determination that you, you made me grow from. I guess like I'm sure the players come back and, and, and then, you know, they say, hey, coach, thank you for that. You know what I'm yeah, most I would say for sure. And, and, and I was actually up, um, I was traveling a couple of weeks ago and I was up in Columbus, Ohio, and, and I, uh, because, you know, I've been here for 11 years, so there's alumni all over right. the world. But we have a, a couple of alums in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and one is the two-year captain for the 2015 and 16 team. So the team that won the Conference USA title for the first time ever in 2015, right. Right. Charlie Raymond was the captain for that team. So I, I messaged him, like, hey, I'm coming through Columbus, do you want to meet for dinner? And we sat down and, and we connected. He's working as a financial advisor, very successful okay, now. Okay. Uh, but he kept talking about some of the experiences that, you know, through the years and how he maybe looked at it as a freshman versus how he looked at it in 2015 as a junior. Yeah. So I, I would say that not all of them, because there are some that leave and say, you know what, I don't ever want to see that guy again. Well, yeah, that's But <laughs> I think that if you do a good job, most of them at some point realize why you were doing what you were doing, doing and yeah. why, why the team needed that from them. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's superb, Coach. Coach, I want to ask you, we talked a little bit about the recruiting process, um, uh, and you talked a little bit about what you look in for, what you look for a player. You know, how do you, you, know, you look for a player and what you look for while you're recruiting that player. Um, talk to me about the levels. Now, you got Division One, you Division Two, and you Division Three, and so on. I guess, like, 
walk me through like what's the major gap difference between each that player from each level from a division one player to a division two to a, to a division three and so yep. on like what what's the is there a major gap there or like I, I you know there's over a thousand schools that have men's soccer at all right. different levels right so I I think that there are division two schools that definitely could beat probably half of the division exactly. one teams so because I think there also there's some you know easier or, or less restrictions in Division Two in regards to age, grade, and all that kind right, of stuff. Right. So uh, I, I think it's it's so different depending upon each individual player and program. But I think what I would suggest is that anyone that's interested in playing college, that you try to go to a couple of summer camps or ID camps. And if you have a dream school, yeah. like – for us, we would, of course, have camps both in February and in the summer where the whole staff is there. And then you can get some feedback. Okay, looking at what you've done this yeah. last couple of days, we think that you'd probably be a good fit good at fit this program. level. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so I, I think it's very hard to say, oh, Division One these things, Division Two these things. Yeah. But I think that as you go down the pecking order, I do think that athletic ability may be you know, the more athletic you are, the higher up you're going to play. I, I think with soccer, it's that round thing is incredibly bouncy and hard to control. Yeah. So you can't just be fast and strong. But if you're fast, strong, and you have decent ball skills, yeah. then you're probably going to end up playing in Division you got a one. chance, yeah. You yeah, got a and, and, and so whether you're a young person looking at this podcast and thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? Again, my daughter is 11. She's talking about playing in college. Yeah. And, and she was saying, because today they're off because of the storm, so they're not in school. Right, 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 right. So she wanted to go to the movies with her friend, and it wouldn't quite work with getting to practice on time. Yeah. So, again, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? So you have to spend time on whatever sacrifices. sport. Yeah, you have to make sacrifices. So if you are strong and fast yeah. and not so good on the ball, well, then you got to work on your ball you gotta skills. Work on it. You got to work. If on you're it. really good with the ball, but you're not very fast or not very strong, well, then you know what you got to work on. So there's, yeah. yeah. And, and and our guys, we sit down a couple of times in, during the year, and we work on their individual development plans because even at our level, there's yeah. always stuff that you can do better and get better at. You got to sit down with each player. And, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's good. It's <laughs> a lot of details that's added. Yeah. I didn't know that. And and but that's also what I've learned as I'm getting older and I'm, I'm hopefully getting better at this is that they they want that personal connection and they yeah. want to make sure that they get time with the coaching staff. And for the coaching staff, we talk a lot about emerging pictures. So if you're a player and you have one picture of how you can play the best for the team, well, we as a coaching staff, especially if you're one of the younger players, we probably have a different, different picture. picture. So we got to merge those two pictures. Those pictures. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach, I want to ask you a little bit more about the recruiting process. Now, yep. you, you guys recruit international players. Yep. I know you're a your guy from Sweden. Do you, like, I guess, uh, I don't want to say prefer international players, but is there more of a, a, a you know, a, a, a need to, to look and at least look over there and see what's over there in, in the international spectrum? Yep. Like, like how, how, how does that work for so you, I guess? This is how I would, I would answer that. I, I think that there's – what we're looking for is the best player – that's available for that position. And okay. sometimes that's a domestic player 
and sometimes that's an international player. Uh, like we're talking about this this coming year, we're going to be very young, so maybe we would love to get an older, more experienced Experience. defender to add to the mix. And maybe that could be through the transfer portal, yeah. or maybe he's played two or three years somewhere else, or it's even a grad transfer to come in and play for a year, or maybe that's a European that's had a gap year or two because they were right on the cusp of going pro, yeah. but they didn't quite make it. Well, now I think they could be great for us. For us. But at the same time, with 9.9 scholarships, how you manage that budget, I think, is, in, is very, very important in regards to how much success you're going to have. So we're always, always, always trying to get the best deal possible. And sometimes if a player maybe is slightly off the other guy, but he's 25% cheaper, well, I know that if the staff and I get to work with him for a year, we're probably going to have him at the same level or better. And if that saves 25% of the budget... Maybe that's a better that's decision. A better move, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, so, but but again, recruiting is incredibly complicated, and, and I'm very fortunate with Josh and Ryan. They're well connected. They have connections all over the world, how, uh, and you know, again, it's just about getting the best team together. I won't cut you off, Coach. But how does that work? How does the international recruiting even work? Do yep. do uh, your coaching staff guys do you just go overseas and just look at them for a little bit? Like, how does so that walk me through that yeah, process? So there's lots of companies, just like it is here. Uh, that are promoting players and, and again having been here for as long as I have some of the internationals that we've had already we've gotten through those companies so we kind of know and work with some companies that we've had really okay. good relationships with already okay. there are always new companies popping up and there's also of course club connections that we have from either sending a player to play there or if it's Sweden or in Scandinavia, maybe I have some connection with a player that right, used to play right, with right, me right. or that's now on the coaching staff. So I, I think it's about always looking to expand the pool of players that you have that you can look at to make the best decision. Okay. Okay. I, I, that's a great answer, Coach. Um, I want to ask you about the competition factor of uh, Division One. Um, talk about is there, I guess, like is there a specific team that you can? I mean, there of course there's great teams in in the league uh, of of college soccer, but is there a specific team that you you always match up against and you're like, man, like this is this is gonna be tough. Like, like is like is there a, that one team that you? You think of and you're like, okay, we're going up against these guys. It's not going to be easy. We know what they want to do. Like, wh yeah. who is that team? I guess. I, I think it, it it varies somewhat. And again, if you look over the 11 year time horizon I've been here, uh, you know, one of my favorite photos is on the other side in the office on the wall here, where my first year. We played Louisville, and, and they just made, I think, a Final Four uh, that year. And, and when I took over Kentucky, they hadn't been in the NCAA tournament in eight years. Yeah. And we beat them 2-1 or 1-0 at their place. So I think that Louisville very much, when we first took over, was like, we have to get to that level. Yeah. Now I think that we're on par with Louisville for sure. I think Indiana every year is, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, they finished second in the NCAA tournament last year, we beat them 3-0 at their place. Wow. But again, I think it's one of those where they I think they have eight national titles. So I think Louisville, Indiana, Indiana. those are always very, very good games. Uh, Marshall, I, I think Chris, yeah. he's done a fantastic job since he took over. They won the national title the COVID year. Yeah. And those are some really, really tough games. I think we've tied each other the last two years. Yeah. But I think that's, that's one where... 
I think there's mutual respect between the two programs and the coaching staffs, and we're always trying to tweak and find a way to get an edge. But those those games, I think Louisville, Indiana, Marshall, those are games that we play every year that are incredibly competitive. Now, Coach, uh, you've been here for 11 years now. What Have you seen a, a, a major culture shift while being here? I want to say, uh, uh, and that, that can be like from the fans' perspective, you know, the, the atmosphere is at, at the games. Like, like it, was there a major culture shift uh, that's from starting back, you know, from your 11-year t- tenure? Well, I think if you look, when I first took over, the only MLS team close enough was Columbus. Okay. And now there's Columbus, there's Cincinnati, and there's Nashville. So now there's three MLS teams within three hours. Right. And then Louisville City is the very, very successful in USL. We just have a pro team announced in Lexington that's going to start this year. Right, right, right. So I, I think that the, the sport of soccer has grown tremendously in the last 11 years. And, of course, that helps in regards to bringing people to our games. No, I, I think it's awesome. And, you know, that the, the student section behind the goal when we score <laughs> and then the smoke and, and then, they, you know, they get to throw themselves in the arms of the fans. That's, that's a very, very cool thing. And, and we were talking about my recruiting trip that I was in Europe last week earlier where that was something that was actually pointed out by the prospect and the dad that they loved the not only going into the fans but also that the bench is cleared so not to fight each other but our bench cleared to go celebrate with the team because we just scored awesome. and, and again if you go back to our core values and it's very much about team before I here and you have to put yourself uh, you have to put the team before yourself that's the kind of mentality that we're looking for that yes there was one player that actually scored but it's a team goal, a team goal. and we all celebrate together so that's that's really really cool and and, and, and again you know 1500 to 2500 fans every game it's it's a very neat atmosphere that's amazing man I, I feel like you you, you guys are, are you spend a lot of time on the team aspect. You know, it's not about, you know, one star or one player. You know, I feel like it's better like that. You know, players enjoy that. It's more fun for them, you know, to see another person's success, you know, go go as far as, as they're going. I feel like that's that's better for not only the, the team but the university itself, you know, because you're representing the university. Yeah. Um, coach, I want to ask you, as a coach, like, like – you talked about you know uh, team success. Like, what's the what's your favorite part about coaching? I guess it's it's that um, I actually I guess I got that question a couple of weeks ago, so I, I have the answer. So I think it's two things. Like we talked about already, it's that growth of the individual between coming in and leaving four or five years later and what you've been able to help and nudge him. Yeah, Yeah, because I think there's so many forks in the road where you can go one way or the other, and hopefully you can bump them to the right decision versus the wrong decision. And then the other one is that it's, like we just talked about, 21 was very good, 18 was unbelievable, 22 was even better, and now we got to do it all again. So the the whole idea of that every team is different and every year is different and that it requires an incredible amount of work to stay successful right and just the okay what goes into building a team right right i think and 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 again as there's more pro teams in the area that means that more kids might leave early to go pro so then you got to figure out okay i used to be able to count on they're going to be staying for four years right well now if i'm bringing in a really good player he's only going to stay for two 
So again, how does that look and, and, and how do you recruit for that and how do you prepare for that? Because it's very, very hard. I believe football has 85 full rides. And last time I checked, they don't play with more than 85 players on the field. We have 9.9 scholarships, and we play with 11. Yeah. So I don't even have enough scholarships to cover my starters. So how do you then have a competitive bench? How do you bring in a good core group of young guys that are ready to step up in a year or two? So managing that scholarship budget is a, is a real challenge. Of course. You talked about young guys. I guess you know uh, this next team that's coming in, lots of uh, young guys you got. To, um, prepare to develop what what's your expectations for them for for the next season uh, the expectation is always to win a lot okay and uh, we just know that it's going to maybe be a little more involvement from the coaching staff a little more arm around the shoulder to make sure that they understand and, and it's also one of those where everyone makes mistakes it's just about do you learn from mistakes now coach is this like one of your younger teams ever yeah it's gonna have to be for sure okay. uh, it, you know since COVID we've been really fortunate with that we had a young team then so we were able to keep them together yeah. and then we were able to bring some transfers in so for the right, last couple of right. years we've been pretty old but this is gonna be a year where I think a lot of the starters are gonna be freshmen or sophomores so okay. Okay. but again going back to how do you develop or how do you manage a group like that like we talked about with the Cincinnati game that we played this weekend we just did an hour of video this morning about that game because the two center backs that played Christian and Griffin Christian is a freshman and, and Griffin he graduated six months early, so he, he should still be in high school. Wow. So these are two very <laughs> yeah, two very inexperienced center backs, but incredibly talented. talented so again, now we're merging pictures and talking about the team. Lots of potential too, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um what do you think, I guess, is the future for soccer? I know we can talk about football in the United States, not not the year of yes. football, but yes. football, basketball. Um, what's what's the future? What do you think is the future for soccer in the United States? I, I don't know. I, I think it is, you know, I came over 1997. That's wow. how long I've been here. So <laughs> I'm equally bad in two languages now. I cannot speak Swedish and I can barely speak English, but <laughs> I, I, I find English. a way to communicate. <laughs> Uh, but so I, I think that the sport has grown. If you look at MLS, if you look at the amount of teams in the MLS, if you look at what a franchise now goes for when, when it, you know, when it, before now from when it started, I think that there's been a lot of money come into the game, which is going to help. Uh, but it's also that it is so competitive with basketball and football and pros and college. But it, it's also a little bit about uh, tradition, history, understanding. You know, I, I when I first came over, I, I lived in Cincinnati for 10 years, so the Reds, of course, is a right, huge deal. Right, right. Right? So I, I watched a couple of baseball games, and, like, I was ready to poke my eyes out. I was like, what on earth is going on? There's this big hulking guy wearing tights, whiffing, Not nothing's going on. Why are they wearing hats? What's Not going on with the sunglasses, right? So I, I think that very much the same goes for Americans looking at soccer, like, well, it's a 0-0 game, or it's a 1-0 game. What's going on? So yeah. I think if you don't understand it, understand it, then I think you're going to have a hard time enjoying it. And I do think that the tactical understanding of soccer, the sport of soccer, is growing and it's getting much better, which I think is going to bring more fans to the stands. Coach, you said uh, tactical understanding of the game. I, yep. I have a question for that, um, I guess, in that category. Um, um, the, 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 you've been here. You've been a soccer fan since you were young, correct? Yep. What's like? How has the game has changed from then to now? Oh, 
<laughs> it, you know, it changes every year. It changes every year mid-season. So I, I think that it's just about the number one thing is winning. Okay. And people are incredibly creative finding new ways of winning. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's about, okay, you have to be more expansive. You have to do more things on the ball. Sometimes it's about, well, you got to do less. you got to protect more. And it kind of goes in waves where it's attacking football, it's defensive football. And so I think, and then you have the whole thing where now everyone's wearing GPSs, okay. heart rate monitors. So now you know how much, how much they're running. You know how much they should be running in practice. You know how much, what, like the actual speed they should reach and all those kinds of things. So it's just... Uh, cycling talks about marginal gains okay. and about, you know, so you and I are equally good. And, but if I could just find a way to get one to 3% lighter bike, one to 3% stronger quads, yeah. well, all of a sudden now we're no longer equal, it's equal, but it's just little, little changes. And so I think that again, if I'm 47, which I'm not saying that I am, if I'm 47 <laughs> years old, you look at the 47 years of soccer that's going on with incremental change every single year, three to five yeah. percent, well then from start to finish, it's a very, very different product now. Wow. Now as the talent has changed as well? Like, yeah. Okay. Much yeah. more talented. Much now. more talented players because again, it's much better coaching early on. They get mm. more touches. They get better understanding. There's some players back in the day that were some of the best in the world. They could barely use their weak foot. Now it's an expectation, even at our level, that you should be able to use both. Yeah, man, game is just evolving and growing. Yep. Um, best advice to the youth. So what do you have to say um, to, to anybody that's looking to play at this level? What's your best advice? I, I think you, sh you have to follow your passion. And if passion, soccer is your passion, then you just have to understand that we talked about, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So you're going to have to make sacrifices. And maybe now, rather than laying down on the iPad and watching Neymar do things, you should be out in the backyard working on your skills. Working on the game. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and you don't need a private coach. You don't need to be on the best team. You can do a lot of things on your own. You can do a lot of things against the wall just by yourself. And then you just need to find two or three friends. And now we can play... 1v1 rotational, we can play 2v2, yep. we can beat up on the neighborhood kids, you know, it's one of those things again. So I, I just think that time under tension is the number one thing. And people talk about it takes 10,000 hours to be really, really good at something. Yeah. So you don't do that. You don't get that by watching someone else do. No, you, you have can. to do. got to put the work in. You yep. have to. Um, what's next? Well, what's next podcast? What's next for you, coach? Uh, <laughs> go back to work, plan the rest of the week of practice. Uh, getting ready to play. We play the Lexington Sporting Club this weekend. I guess it's their last tune-up game before their regular season starts. Okay. So really excited to see Sam and his staff and the team that he's put together. I'm sure it's going to be a really good challenge for our guys. And then we, we're the only team, I believe, that don't go on spring break because, again, I'm the worst coach in men's <laughs> Division One college soccer. So we're going to stay Monday through Thursday. We always stay. Okay. So we're having a really, really exciting week. We're going to look at the sporting club tape. I think we're going to look to go and do some charity work on Monday. I, th I believe we're going to play paintball on Wednesday. Ooh, nice. And then, they get, and then they get Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off before we get back to work. I love it, Coach. I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, 
make sure you stay tuned to the, to their season. They're they're in the middle of their spring season, so just check that out. Um, Coach Sedgren, it's been a pleasure, man, having you on this podcast. Uh, you giving your advice to to our audience. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited for the next season and your spring season. Um, if you haven't already, ladies and gentlemen, hit that like and subscribe button. Um, that would do our podcast a great deal. And um, stay tuned for the next episode of What's Next podcast. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Episodes and exclusive content. Subscribe to What's Next with Rio.